We are UCL and these are our remarkable stories. I'm Gia Lulich and I work in the UCL organisational development team. In each episode, I will be in conversations with a UCL guest as they share with us their remarkable stories, experiences and life lessons. In today's episode, I am excited to be speaking to former actress, current student of neuroscience here at UCL and sabbatical officer Ashley Slanina Davis about her fascinating journey as an actress on British drama Hollyoaks and how this experience has led her to find her true purpose. So uh, before we delve into some deeper conversation, why don't you tell us a little bit about where your acting career started and how it all began for you? Um, so, well, I started acting when, when I was quite young. Um, I was part of a a youth theatre group in Wigan. Um, so it's called Willpower Youth Theatre. Um, it's run by two, two amazing people, Tim and Caroline, and it's a a non-profit company. Um, and so yeah, basically they run like Saturday classes, um, Thursday classes. It's all about like building up kids' confidence, uh, giving them you know somewhere to release their energy. And so I joined that. Um, I really enjoyed it, and then I signed up to to an agency which was attached to it, and I did some like background work as an extra um, to earn you know pocket money. And, and then I ended up going for an audition and I got the audition and ended up on Hollyoaks. Um, yeah, <laughs> all of it bizarre, really. I mean, I, like I did, I did theatre work. Um, like I'd always done theatre work with the youth theatre, uh, but I think that was my first sort of TV position. Yeah, what I find so fascinating uh, with your story is that you kind of just fell into the whole thing but ended up being on there for over 10 years. Yeah. So I guess the first question in relation to that is how has growing up kind of unusual way, do you feel like that's shaped your personal development? Um. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, I was always quite... Um, a, I don't really want to use the word precocious because um, I feel like that has such you know negative connotations but I was definitely quite old before my time anyway and then I think with something like that you just get a lot of extra responsibility like really quite young um, so I gr- ended up growing up quite fast um, and then there are other things that it shape like ways in which it shapes you so you get exposed to to quite a lot um so for example like I worked with a lot of different charities um, and seeing that side of things and I don't think that most people are exposed to to that kind of stuff until they're quite a bit older so it shapes the way that you start to think about the world definitely I was very fortunate in that um (laughs) when when I was sort of most well known it was before social media was popular so I kind of escaped all of that which I'm so so grateful for. (laughs) I think what is uh, significant as well with you is it sounds like a lot of the themes that you explored on the show also impacted your 
daily life um, with the charities that you were involved in and with all the other side stuff that you were involved with? Yeah, I think I think part of that is probably to do with like what got me interested in acting in the first place. So, like, you know, I I, I love people. I think people are great. Um, they're incredibly interesting. Uh, the way that their mind works is fascinating, um, and how people cope with things um, is is you know again incredibly fascinating. So, so. I think that the because of what acting means to me, and in fact, all, almost all forms of like creative art, what they mean to, to me as an individual means that I was always going to be interested in that side of things. Um, so, you know, part of it is is un, part of acting is like understanding people and then just communicating that understanding so you're just the thing through which a story is told um and what I was always attempting to try and do with that is to communicate to people who might not necessarily understand um things from another person's point of view or you know what life experiences feel like to to certain people is is communicate that to a broader audience um you know sort of cause world peace through understanding of others and empathy (laughs) so that was why I was always drawn to sort of working with charities and having that be part of like intrinsically the way that I was living my life if that makes sense yeah definitely and I think just the way you see the whole experience is maybe quite unique you see it on a very holistic um sort of way and thinking about how it's going to make an impact as opposed to how are you going to better yourself as an actress, which I think is quite a unique way for an actress to see this whole experience. Or is it unique or is this how most actors see their role? Um, I mean, I can't really speak for 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 all actors people have like really, really varying um, motivations. You know, some people do it because it's like the most fun job in the world and like to them that's that's you know the motivation and driving factor um I wouldn't say that it's a a unique way to look at things I think that's why different people are drawn to different you know um like genres so some people are drawn to comedy because they just love making people laugh so not only the sort of personal enjoyment of, of being silly and what that kind of a set environment can be like, like don't get me wrong, it can be terrible, but but comedy sets can be really, really fun. Um, but oftentimes there is that, you know, you're, you're sort of adding a bit of joy to people's lives. So it, I wouldn't say that it's particularly unique in terms of like a motivator. I think there's just different facets to what people might find that be their particular motivation, if that makes sense. Um, because I don't know, there's, it's a bit like, um, it's a bit like, like almost anything, you know, I'm interested in like communication and like people understanding each other. I'm interested in mental health. That's what I, want to to study and dedicate my life to but other people are interested in like environmental issues and so they'll do that 
Um, and it's a similar sort of thing, like within the industry, there'll be a particular point which you might be more interested in and a message which you want to convey within that. I wonder whether it was a fun experience for you because for those people that are aspiring to be an actor, you know, it is that motivation of it's going to be amazing and fun and glamorous. How would you describe the experience as fun? <laughs> I think I got more um, more distracted by the word glamorous and I was thinking of like not just being on different sets which can be ridiculously <laughs> unglamorous, but also during the whole lockdown period uh, and see like pictures of friends who'd made like sound booths out of wardrobes and duvets. And it's like, this is my working day now. I live in a cupboard <laughs> trying to soundproof <laughs> it with clothes and blankets. Um, I don't know. You know, like the, the other thing that everyone was joking about during uh, coronavirus was like, you know, the, um, the, the lifestyle of being an actor, because the reality is, you know, the, there is a lot of time that you spend unemployed and work, looking for work and being rejected. And so when everyone else went into lockdown, it was like, right, okay, rest of the world, welcome to an actor's life. You've got to figure out things to do when there is nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> wow so yeah it's what hard. an interesting perspective <laughs> uh, no I don't mean to to make light of the situation um but it's well I think we have to at this point <laughs> uh, no it's hard it, it is hard like there are aspects which are fun you get to be really creative um it doesn't really matter what area you work in so you know like um and my sister has a, a theatre company um, and they do a lot of like developmental stuff um, and they do it in sometimes co-production with audiences, which is really fun and really different. Um, but she also has the struggles of like, okay, well, I don't just want to do theatre work, I want to do TV work. And then, you know, it's like hitting your head against a brick wall like trying to get an audition or trying to get someone to see you not in the role that you've previously been in. So just to address another cliche about actors and I wanted to know what your your personal experience was, a lot of people suspect that for some reason actors have a low self-esteem and I wondered whether your overall experience you feel has built up your self-esteem and your confidence and your belief in what's possible for you. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I re again, I really can't answer for all actors. Um, I mean, in terms of actors having low self-esteem, you're, you're asking people to pay you to pretend to be a different person. So I don't know if that says something. Um, you have to get used to a lot of direction. Um, so, you know, you might feel really, really strongly that you're giving a great performance and you're doing something really authentically within like, um, you know, a, a particular scene. Um, and then you have a director come over and you, you get actors, directors and, and directors, which, which really aren't for actors. Um, and an actor's director will know how to give you a note, which is basically a way to, you know, amend your performance in a way which doesn't sort of crush your soul. 
Um, especially if it's a particularly dramatic performance so you've just you know spent five minutes like screaming and crying um and then they come back and they're like yeah could you just um could you just give me a bit more emotion like I want to feel it I don't feel it and you're like okay well I did (laughs) um so so you have to get used to that which does take a certain kind of resilience I also wonder, Ashley, being a teenager is such a confusing time as it is in terms of trying to work out who you are and what you're going to be doing. Did you ever feel like you had an identity crisis between this very loaded character at times that you were playing? And I've seen some of the scenes and I honestly don't think you give yourself enough credit because I don't think everybody can do that and I I definitely don't think it's for everybody. Um, but to be at that young, confusing time in your life and also trying to play these very emotionally loaded scenes in front of a camera, did you ever feel like you didn't have a grasp on your identity? Um, no, not really. Um, I think maybe I'm just one of those people who has like mini identity crises like constantly Um, so I don't think there was ever anything to do with like the stories or um acting which which influenced that I think it was just like I'd I'd already grown up like quite quite quickly and I was I was fairly mature from from a young age um and so I had some sort of fundamental truths about myself which I always stuck to and then everything else is like, you know, e- even now you have a every so often, what on earth am I doing with my life? Um, so I think it was just like a, a series of, of those, but those were just part and parcel of, of life in general. Nothing specific to do with acting, I don't think. Um, but thank you. Those were very nice comments. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think there is something to the fact that no, not everybody gets to do that job. I think it does take um, a special kind of personality and ability also to get to that stage and to remain there for as long as you have. So just to go back to uh, all the emotional scenes that you did throughout the years, and there were so many. So there was teenage pregnancy, there was... Um, Domestic abuse, which I think is a particularly uh, loaded one, mm. just because it is one of those things that a lot of people are dealing with and not talking about. Yeah. Um, was there like an allocated person that you could talk to about what you were experiencing during that time? Or was it just kind of whoever was there to offer the support? Um, no, there wasn't an allocated person. Um I think that might be one of the things which the show itself has changed um, because I would say that that's maybe maybe one of the bigger flaws. Um, you know, it's a, it's a great place to work. Everyone is really supportive. And if you a- actively turn to someone for help, you know, that there are, there are people there and they will put you in touch with someone. Um, so they'll put you in touch with like a counsellor. But you have to sort of take that on yourself and say, oh, I think I might need to speak to someone. But the show's cast is predominantly young. Um, there were a lot of 
people who were, you know, straight out of school, um, straight out of college or straight out of drama school, if they'd gone to drama school, um, you know, probably majority under like 25. Might have shifted a bit now because there are quite a few cast members that have been in there longer. Um, and I, I think that perhaps some of that support was missing. But yeah, I, I do think it's difficult. It's a bit like a university experience. You know, if you've moved out of home for the first time, which was the reality for a lot of cast members, and you're living in this strange city and then you put on TV and then people know who you are and you're getting a lot of attention, but you have no idea like where to live or who to live with. And this is the first time that you've had like real responsibility. Like that's the situation for a lot of people that go into that show. Um, so I think that there is a greater duty of care that you would expect from them as opposed to perhaps other places of work and, and other sort of acting industries. Um, you know, but it, it's, it's a thing across everywhere. Like you get the same thing with like dancers that go into the West End, you know. And just to that point, and I want to hear more about how you got to doing um, neuroscience at UCL, because that's, for me, a really interesting journey as well <laughs> that kind of ran parallel to the acting, which, you know, saw you going into so much charity work. It seems like a seamless way to get to where you are now. I wondered, um, just before we go t- to that, whether you look at your experience and having responsibilities so young, whether you feel like you've missed out on a semi kind of mundane life that, you know, or not mundane or just a kind of normal life, whatever normal means. Um, it's a difficult one actually, because my, my instinct is to go, no, no, not at all. Um, but there are probably things which, which I did miss out on and didn't realise at the time. Um, And I think that's to do maybe with like the relationships that you form when you're that age. Like a lot of people, their best friends are the people that they met in college or the people that they met in their first job or the people that they met at university. Um, And you don't really have that same experience. Like you can... Um, you know, there's, there's nothing to stop that from happening. So I, I think maybe, maybe that would be the thing that I missed out on. Like moving away from friends and family, um, like losing touch with people from high school, um, and then not really being in a position where I was like on the same page as other actors in the show because I was a little bit younger. Um, and so not making those bonds, I think that would be like the the main thing. And did the fame aspect ever limit you in any way in terms of like you'll go out for drinks and you'll be like, you know, Ashley, you must behave while everyone else is going crazy or something like that? <laughs> um, I'm, quite, I'm quite lucky in that um, I'm quite a boring person anyway. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, I never, I never quite had that. And again, we didn't have social media really. So, um, so I avoided like, you know, people putting things on like social media. Um, and you always knew like if you were being watched because there would be like paparazzi outside and they weren't particularly subtle. Um, 
but tended to have quite a good relationship with them. So they would like leave before the end of the evening. A few would stick around, but you know, whatever. Um, so no, I'd say the only limitations that I had were ones which I put on myself. So thinking that I couldn't do something because someone might be watching or someone will be giving like, um, you know, extra attention to what I was doing. And so feeling that it would be a bit inappropriate for, for me to do that or not wanting to mess up when people were watching. Um, and then the only time where I'd say it got in the way would probably be instances. So, so my, my partner at the time, like had, um, two younger sisters and they were young, like, you know, four. Um, and so we used to look after them a lot. So they would stay at ours, um, and we'd take them out for the weekend. Um, and so we'd essentially be trying to have like a family meal out and people would like sort of get in the way, like when I was trying to take them to the toilet, um, and things like that. And, you know, when you're like, I don't mind at all, um, you know, like stopping for photos, having a chat. I don't mind people joining us like on our table for, for drinks or whatever. Um, but I felt like because they were kids, that was a bit inappropriate. Um, oh, oh, I tell you what I did find intimidating because I'm mm. about the same age as Emma Watson. I think I might be slightly older than her, but I remember there was a countdown um, in the newspapers for when she turned 16 um, and was, you know, therefore legal to have sex with. And I remember that making me, even though, you know, <laughs> absolutely nothing to do with me, but it was something about the fact that she was my age and being aware that that might be how the world sees you. That that wasn't a nice experience, I don't think. Absolutely. And that's a whole other theme, like actually being an actress in I in a, a place like the UK, because I have heard, I'm not sure whether this is true and you can probably testify, but the laws for paparazzi are not very, uh, they're not very strict. So, or I don't know if they changed at some point, but um, I understand that at some point in time, at least, you were able to just follow people around and photograph them without any kind of consequences. So, moving on to where you are now, just wondering where your fascination with neuroscience started, how it's uh, tied to your experience um, as an actor. Could you tell us about that? Um, yeah. I, I can try. <laughs> People always think that they're like these two incredibly different things. And just to me, they're not. They're not at all. Um, they probably come from this, you know, fascination with people um, that, that I sort of mentioned earlier. And I think that that's maybe just an intrinsic part of who I am. But maybe also you know, a, a product of, of where I was brought up. So like I'm from, I'm from Wigan or just north of Wigan and Wigan's quite diverse. Well, it, it's not, it's, it's mainly white. Uh, there is an Asian community, um, but, but it's diverse in terms of like social class um, and life experiences. 
And so because a lot of the schools are mixed, you mix with like everybody who lives in Wigan. So you sort of see lots of different life experiences and how they affect people differently. And so I was always like interested in that, which was where acting came from. Because you don't just like see different life experiences and how they affect people. Like you see how they affect people. Um, So you see people struggling um, and you see how some people just don't understand that. Um, And so that was part of, of acting, thinking that, oh, well, if everyone just understood these things, then people, one, wouldn't be ashamed to struggle or to have mental health difficulties, but two, then we'd all know how to create supportive environments. We'd be able to take like some of the distress away. Um, and so it was this feeling that all you needed to do was to make sure that everybody knew that. Um, and then it was through acting and, and reading, well, actually I skipped a bit. So I, I was obsessed at a roundabout, like maybe it was like 12 or 13, um, with neuroscience because that was when I discovered the term neuroscience um uh, <laughs> I'd like done a I don't know it's probably like ask Jeeves at the time search about where I was good for neuroscience and it's like UCL so I had that in the back of my mind um and then obviously went off and was acting and that's what I was trying to do with acting and it was during that process that I was like oh we we don't actually know as much as I thought we knew about people's experiences, like how different people perceive the world, what effects that has on the way that they make decisions, what decisions they're able to make. Um, and so then, yeah, I sort of came back to this idea of, well, you know, I'll, I'll stick with acting whilst it's there, but as soon as it's not there... I'll I'll study this like this is the thing that I want I want to do I want to understand this um, I want to play my part in in alleviating unnecessary suffering because I do think that you know not having appropriate support and treatments for for different neuropsychiatric disorders is is something which is preventable I think that that's unnecessary suffering that people go through um so yeah, so that was like the motivating factor. Um, I know always kind of has been. And so when when I stopped acting, it was natural that I was like, okay, well, the aim was neuroscience at UCL. So we'll, we'll aim for that and we'll see what happens. I didn't actually expect to end up here. Um, there was like a huge... A crisis of confidence when I got here. You were asking about, um, you know, a sort of um, existential crisis when when I was acting. No, I think that happened when I arrived at UCL, um, and and yeah, I actually remember my dad uh, sent me he sent me a newspaper article from when I'd had gone and um, you know picked up my GCSE results. Um, cause I, you know, I was having a panic. I was like, what am I doing here? I can't do this work. I shouldn't be here. Um, and the article was like, you know, a local actress picks up GCSEs. And then in the interview it said, 
that this is what I wanted to do. <laughs> um, yeah, and so that was like his little just keep going. It's so interesting that to me that, you know, for, for someone like me going to university is such a mundane thing and obviously the experience you've had is something that's so surreal and kind of out of reach and then for you it was kind of the other way around where you felt like this is some, you know, some strange world that you were were not a part of or at the very least you weren't headed there. I wonder, was there a moment of, did you have like an epiphany and you thought, I'm going to go down this road? Or was it something that very gradually you came to realise or did you, in the middle of a scene or something, you were like, this is what's hap- This is what I'm going to aim for? Um, it, was, it was always there. Um, you know, I'd say probably when I was a child, what were my dreams? They were dream number one, be prime minister, because obviously, you know, you have to be right at the top. If you're going to stop people from suffering, you've got to be calling all the shots. So I was like, okay, well I'll be prime minister. I'll just tell people what to do. And then I can make everyone be happy that way. Um, I think that was probably when I was about eight, (laughs) you know, have a, have a reasonable goal. So yeah, I think that, you know, child dream number one was was uh be, be prime minister um you know like leave it to me I'll, I'll sort it out I'll just tell people what to do and then everyone's gonna be happy um, and so and I was like oh well you know that's a bit that's a bit ridiculous that's not gonna happen um and then it was oh well I'll be an actress then and I'll just communicate things to people and then everyone will understand what's going on and um and you know world peace obviously that's that's what's going to happen and then I thought oh well actually quite a lot of people want to be actresses so that's that's maybe not not a reasonable goal to have either so I was like okay well then I'll go to university I'll try and get into a university and and I'll study people and I'll try and understand what the issues are um, and then solve them that way um and so that was when I, I I first thought about going to university and I probably would have been, I don't know, like just into high school. Um, and then actually, lo and behold, um, I became an, an actress instead. Um, and so I acted. And then the step to sort of go back to a university was, or go back to school was like a huge, yeah, it, took a lot of convincing myself that I was able to do it. it took a lot of you know that I was going to be listened to in terms of like my application would even be looked at I didn't have any qualifications so I went a bit qualification crazy <laughs> um I yeah I was like well I had no idea how I was going to support myself for one um so I was like, well, I, I'm going to have to have a job. And then I was like, well, what kind of a job can I have? And I was like, well, I can't get a job because I don't have any qualifications. Um, so then that was when I trained in like yoga. I trained in uh, physical therapy. Um, I was a personal trainer, a, mass, a sports massage therapist. So, so I was like just ticking off all of these like holistic um, different qualifications. So I was like, oh, I can get some sort of a job. Um, and then I did that for a year whilst I tried to figure out, okay, how do I get the qualifications I actually need to apply to UCL, um, which is difficult because I couldn't find anything that would accept me 
other than an access course um and UCL or, or the course that I do at UCL doesn't accept access courses as an entry route so that was quite difficult um and then and then there was an option which is a certificate of higher education at Birkbeck and so it was like this huge leap of faith of well do I move down to London uh, and do this course with the hope that I'll do well enough um, that UCL will, will consider me uh, um, and that I'll actually get in because I didn't even know if they were going to you know, look at my application. Um, and so anyway, um, you know, everything sort of fell into place. Like my partner got a job transfer, like he was relocated down to London. And so it was like, right, okay, let's go for it. And so moved down did the course which I mean if anyone is thinking of, of retraining the certificate in higher education at Birkbeck is is amazing the then night classes are wonderful and all of the staff so supportive um it was a really really good environment to be in um so yeah I'd, I'd highly recommend that if anyone's thinking of it um but yeah and then and then I I got the place at UCL <laughs> Uh, yeah, which I couldn't have done without everyone who encouraged me and said that it wasn't stupid. And how is neuroscience everything you thought it was going to be? Um, everything I thought it was going to be and more. Much, much, much more. Neuroscience actually like means a lot of different things and it means different things to different people. So if you think you're thinking about neuroscience, you're thinking about like one teeny weeny tiny aspect of a humongous field. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, pretty much within neuroscience, you could study if you obviously if you're interested in the brain um, or the central nervous system, um, you yeah, you can find it somewhere in some place. Um, and that's part of the problem is there's actually too much, which is interesting. Um, and it's sort of picking or trying to pick the bit which you fit into. And I don't know if I've done that yet. Are you more interested in the um, scientific sort of medical side of the nervous system or are you more interested in kind of the mind-body connection thing I guess oh god can I even describe what I'm interested in um I guess I'm sort of interested in how people perceive their environment and how that affects the decisions that they make or how they make decisions um so what's the the you know what are the neural processes which underlie that so you know I think traditionally it would fall into cognitive neuroscience. Um, so you'd be looking at things like EEG and things like that. Uh, but I'm also interested in systems neuroscience, which is where you would look at specific circuits um, and how different circuits interact and what the connectivity is. Um, so, you know, if you have um, like a lesion in one study or if a particular system isn't working, then what are the effects of that? Um, on the overall, you know, cognitive process and the decisions that people make. But there's also like, I don't know if if eventually I will end up in 
like pure neuroscience uh, because uh, like I'm also interested in epidemiology um, and so if we go back to like talking about mental health um, you know it well I guess it's like mental health and perception and perception of the environment and so there's a question of if a person's life experiences sort of skew cognitive processes in a specific way and if different experiences all intersect and they might weight this you know differential perception of environments in a specific way and so it's what those different weightings are and what those um, intersections are for an individual and if that bears any relation in terms of what a person's mental health presentation may be um, and then what can we do to sort of shift those risk factors I don't know if any of that makes sense it makes so much sense and I, I actually I've I'm really interested in psychology and I think that mm-hmm. actually acting and psychology is such a similar thing because you're you're adopting essentially the behavior of another person. So there has to be that interest in someone else's perspective. And with neuroscience, like you say, there's so many different different fields of it. It's literally just a sea of different ways that you can branch out into. Um, what would what is your current vision for uh, following your masters? Um, you know, hopefully a PhD. That would be that would be like the dream. Um, so within that, you know, get to explore like like focusing on mental health. So not looking at other aspects of of um, neurobiology and brain function, specifically honing down on what what's implicated in different neuropsychiatric disorders. Um, and looking at that across different sort of levels of study in terms of looking both at a single neuron and how a neuron behaves um, and what environmental risk factors there are. So, you know, all the way from molecules through to sociology. So the opportunity to look at that would be amazing. And then you've just got to hope that from that you you can find your place either in science or or outside of of science and academia so like for example working for a charity um or working in terms of like trying to influence policy and decision making um in ways that like you know benefit society so there's a lot of research which is made and it's like how can we take this research and then translate it for use in people or not in people like with people you know if we know certain things about how you know like child poverty affects development sorry Um, obviously thinking about current news um then then like what what policies can we make um around that and why have we not and what more evidence do we have to put in front of people to make those decisions? Um, you know, so try and translate some of the research in that way. It kind of sounds like you're heading for that prime minister role to me. Absolutely no way. <laughs> <laughs> so just to go back to that, is that why you became a um, sabbatical officer at UCL? 
Um, I think I was interested in learning, you know, how big organizations work, like how, how slow it is to, to make policy changes and why some policy changes, which are so, so simple, um, and would make a huge difference to students aren't there. Um, because like, I really, really believe in education. Um, and you know, obviously a university is one kind of education, um, but uh, I think that all different kind of education from like not necessarily formal education, apprenticeships, like other forms of learning are incredibly important for, for individuals. Um, and so it's how do you make that the best like that it can be? And, you know, I also believe that university, especially UCL, like it's hard it's, it's really hard and it, that's fine, but it shouldn't be so hard that like people are being pushed to the brink of what they can cope with. So I think there was part of wanting to understand like, why, why are we not doing something about student mental health? Why are we not creating sort of educational frameworks that increase resilience um, instead of like undermining how sort of empowered people feel because they constantly feel like they're failing or not doing enough. So I think that it was kind of that, wanting to see, you know, if I could influence that a little bit in terms of just making the whole environment more supportive, more community focused, um, and make sure that education is something which is equitable to everyone that it's not just for perhaps the people who UCL was originally designed to accommodate, um, which is, you know, which is fine. And it's a sad tr- truth of, of life. The majority of our institutions were built with like one person in mind. Um, and that person is not the same as the people who come now. You know, that person didn't have a disability that person wasn't a mature student with kids that person wasn't female I I know UCL first to admit females on the same basis as males whatever um but you know wasn't at the same time was it (laughs) I mean it's such a huge topic isn't it because um you could get into this whole thing politically as well because I, to me, like the study of psychology is studying of people on a micro basis and studying of politics is psychology on a macro basis. So it's all really tied together. But it sounds like you're interested in that whole, in everything and how it one impacts the other and, you know, making a shift there. And I wondered, Ashley, in light of that, looking back at, you know, your life so far and everything that you've achieved, what would you say you're most proud of to date? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm the worst person at replying to people. Like I really, really am. Uh, but I would say I'm proud of the times when I have been there and when I've realized that it is important for me to show up for someone and I've managed to do it. I think that, that would be what I'm most proud of. Mm, that's a very good one. And it shows that, you know, at the heart of it, most of us are mostly worried about our relationships, aren't we? As opposed to everything else. <laughs> yeah. 
the last question for you, Ashley, um, is what would you, and this is the question that we ask everybody, what would you tell a younger Ashley? I didn't just trust yourself. Um, what's, who was it that said, you know, it'll all be all right in the end. And if it's not all right, it's not the end. Just to go back to what you said about what you were most proud of, and you said that it was showing up for someone. Well, I just want to remind you that you showed up for us today and thank you so much for being so open and candid, um, and letting us take the conversation wherever um, and yeah, thanks for making the time and all the best. Oh no, thank you. You made it. You made it very easy and very pleasant. Um, yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs>